Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teaching from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by our sermon series, Difference Makers, Women Chosen by God. Learn with us about how often overlooked women make a difference in the world around them through the power of God. Find out more about this or any of our sermons at www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. We're going to be looking at the person Rachel, but we have to look at Rachel in context, and we're going to be doing that by looking at some verses in Genesis 28, in Genesis 29, and in Genesis 30. And we need some backdrop before we can get to the main character and the main part of this message, which is Rachel. But I want to start off by going back in time, at least for me, Back in my high school days, there was a movie called Love Story. And in that movie, uh, the line that everybody waited for, and I mean everybody, I mean the girls in the movie theater, was love means never having to say you're sorry. Uh, Man, I want to tell you, the girls knew that line was coming, could hardly wait till it was spoken, and you could hear their voices quiver. Uh, when it was. Um, that line, love means never having to say you're sorry, I, I just don't get it. Um, you have to say you're sorry when you're in love, when you're in love with your spouse, and certainly when you're in love with God. Uh, there are all kinds of times that we, we mess up, and certainly in the New Testament, we're reminded if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We love God, he loves us, Uh, So certainly we have to do that. But this line, love means never having to say you're sorry, I'm telling you in Genesis 29 and 30, there needed to be a whole lot of sorry, but there wasn't. Um, There's another word called tsuris. Tsuris is a Yiddish word that means problems, trouble. This story of Rachel has an incredible amount of tsuris. The Bible is so transparent, which makes it such a great book. Yes, it's inspired by God. It's it's his word to us, but it's an honest book. And here we see a a dysfunctional family. It didn't start off that way, but in the midst of uh, Genesis 29 and 30 is a great deal of dysfunction, and we see how it's played out. And So I want to give the background before we get into the main part, which is, as I said, Rachel. So going to Genesis 28, if you'll turn there, starting in verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north, and to the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with 
you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Let me let me underline this promise. This was a big deal for Jacob. So I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. This was a promise given to Jacob, an assurance that God was going to accomplish his purpose. Uh, the original promise given to his grandfather Abraham, which promised the land, a seed, and a blessing, passed down to his father Isaac, and now guaranteed here in Genesis 28 to Jacob. So that's the backdrop of what is really an important thing, because now as Jacob makes his journey, uh, he's going to Haran, he's going to go to his uncle Laban family, and there he wants to meet and marry a wife and start a family. Uh, that's kind of a normal thing, right? Uh, happened all the time, uh, making sure that uh, a man meets woman, uh, they get married and have a family. Well, as this story unfolds in Genesis 29, although that was the way it started, it took a few curves. And let's see how, how those curves played out. Well, Jacob met Rachel, uh, his cousin, first greeted her, as you look in chapter 29, first greeted her with a kiss, kissing cousins, if you will. Uh, she was a shepherdess. Uh, she was uh, the mother. She would be the mother of Joseph and Benjamin. She would be the wife and the cousin of Jacob. She was the sister of Leah, and she was the daughter of Laban. So he met her, uh, started to work for his uncle Laban, and he worked for a month. And then we're told that he uh, just fell in love with her, uh, and he wanted to marry her. So he asks Laban for her hand and actually works seven years to get it. One of the most romantic things, I think, is not love means never having to say you're sorry, but um, it actually is where he says that it was but a few, the seven years seemed but a few days. Um, that, that's an amazing line to have. Uh, just a few days for seven years. Well, uh, that night uh, at the wedding, uh, Laban brings not Rachel to him, but Leah to him. He doesn't know that. He wakes up the next morning, sees that it's Leah, runs to him and said, what have you done to me? Uh, it's interesting that Laban and Rebecca, remember it was Rebecca who encouraged Jacob to uh, deceive Isaac uh, by posing as Esau. And as a result, the blessing went to Jacob. So it seems that this deception kind of thing runs in the family. Uh, Jacob goes to Laban and, and says, what have you done to me? He said, well, it's not our custom to have the youngest, we have to marry off the oldest first. And so he will finish out the marriage week. He will then get Rachel and then work another seven years. So it's, an, it's already an, 
what started off as kind of a normal family situation, a simple marriage, one man, one woman, is now two sisters, two wives, and by the way, also their uh, servants. Uh, Leah had Zilpah, and Rachel had Bilhah. And so with that at a back, background, we come to the end of chapter 29, where Leah is uh, able to have uh, several children. In fact, in verse uh, 32, it says, So Leah conceived, bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. You see, Leah was the oldest. Leah had weak eyes, which means she wasn't as attractive as her sister. But she wanted to be loved. Uh, and she knew that her husband loved her sister. Well, in verse 33, it says, Then she conceived again, bore a son, and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. So she's had two sons with Jacob. In verse 34, she conceived again, bore a son, and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And then in verse 35, she conceived again, bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called the na his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. So here you have two sisters. Jacob loved one. He loved Rachel. She was more beautiful than her sister. She was younger, but she was very fertile. She had these boys, and each of these boys' names, and in each reason that Leah named them, all, in a very positive way, called attention to Yahweh, Jehovah, the living God. That's a very positive thing. Leah was, was conscious of the living God, the God of Abraham and Isaac. And now we come to chapter 30, and it says, now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. Oh, the heartbreak of being barren. Uh, in, a, in any local church, there is a strong possibility that there are couples there who face what Rachel was facing. And all we could do is pray for folks in that situation. I can tell you that back in this day, in this day of Genesis, uh, this biblical day, uh, children, bearing children was so important when it came to the community and was such a negative, a blot on a family if uh, they could not have children. I don't think it's changed a whole lot. Those people who most couples who get married look forward to children, and when that doesn't happen, it's, it's a very difficult thing. And so we can see Rachel saying, uh, give me children or else I die. Certainly, that is Cyrus. Rachel is looking at, from her perspective, trouble, great trouble. But Jacob responds, he's pretty angry. He has a perspective on God, which is great, but I think he could have been a little more sympathetic to his wife. But he said, 
Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? So she said, Here's my maid Bilhah, so go into her, and she will bear a child on my knees. That expression, bearing a child on my knees, really has to do with the custom of if a, uh, a maid of, the, of, a, of a woman has a child with her husband, it's credited to her. And so Bilhah conceived, in verse 5 of chapter 30, bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case, vindicated me, as it says, and he has heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. So Dan is credited to Rachel. However, can you see the situation the Bible's presenting? We have two sisters who are jealous of each other. One is yearning for the love of her husband. The other has the love of her husband, but can't have children. And she's trying everything she can uh, to make sure she does. And so Bilha. Uh, gets, uh, certainly gets pregnant and has Dan. And Rachel's maid, in verse 7, Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestling I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. Once again, we can see in both Leah and Rachel a strong belief in the living God. She is giving credit to God. Uh, undoubtedly praying, uh, talking to God. Um, so in verse 9, it says, When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, gave her to Jacob as a wife. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob's son. Then Leah said, A troop comes. So she called his name Gad. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy with the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. I, this story becomes more difficult. Uh, it becomes so dysfunctional where you have the two sisters, the two maids, and these, these kids uh, that come on both sides. It's a polygamous situation. It is high stress in the family. Jacob just seems to be following whatever the women tell him to do. I can tell you, uh, I've been married uh, in December 44 years. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Uh, in Jacob's case, it seems, at least from these few chapters, that Jacob was saying yes to everybody, trying to satisfy everybody. Uh, and it just created a lot of difficulty. Now, in verse 19... Little Reuben, he was a few years old. Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your mandrakes. Well, what, what is a mandrake? A, a mandrake is a flower that in those days was attributed to fertility. Uh, the fragrance of this mandrake was supposed to uh, give off a scent that was that that helped arouse the couple and therefore could produce hopefully produce children. So here is little uh, Reuben, and he goes 
into the wheat harvest, finds some mandrakes, and brings them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel goes to Leah and says, please give me some of, some of your son's mandrakes. So now they're going to cut a deal here. But she said, that is, Leah said, it is a small matter that you have taken away my husband. Notice the, the jealousy, the, uh, the, the great pathos of Leah, who wants to be loved by her husband. Her sister is the one that has cornered that market. And she's saying, it is a small matter that you've taken away my husband. Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. In essence, I'm sorry to say in this situation, Rachel is prostituting Jacob. She is asking for the mandrakes from Leah in order then for Leah to spend the night with her husband. And that's exactly what happens. Verse 17, God listened to Leah. She conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. And she called his name Issachar. And then Leah conceived again in verse 19 and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterward, verse 21, she bore a daughter, called her name Dinah. Then, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. Now I read verse 22, but let me back up just a little bit. We can see that in the promise that God has given to Jacob, Remember the promise, a land, a seed, and a blessing given to Abraham. It's passed on to Isaac. Jacob at Bethel receives the same promise. He's off to Haran to find a wife, falls in love with Rachel. Uh, his uncle deceives him. He's with Leah. He's got uh, two handmaids between his two wives, and he's got Leah giving him six sons. And one of those sons, I think we should acknowledge this, one of those sons will lead to the promised seed prophesied in Genesis chapter 3.15. Remember, the seed of the woman. Uh, I don't know how many of us think about it. Rachel was the one Jacob loved. He loved her. Uh, and he had. she will later have Joseph and Benjamin. But it is Leah, the one who was unloved by Jacob, who would bear Judah, the fourth son. Judah... Uh, who would be the son of Jacob, the son of Israel. And Judah would be the tribe in which the king of Israel would come, King David, and ultimately David's greater king, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have this sad story, uh, difficult story of family intrigue and difficulty. And Leah's doing everything she can uh, to try to win the love of her husband. And on the other hand, we have Rachel, who has not had any children. She's barren. And as we already read verse 22, let me read it again. Then God remembered Rachel. Isn't that a great line? God remembered Rachel. I think Rachel felt that God hadn't remembered her. 
She was in anguish. Go back to the first verse in chapter 30. If she doesn't have children, she'll die. It was emotional for her. She had waited seven years for her husband. She was patient. Uh, then her father, probably in cahoots with Leah, uh, deceived Jacob, and then she would be his second wife. She's living with him. He loves her, but there are no children. She wants children and has waited patiently for them. And so the text says, God remembered Rachel. It also says, God listened to her. Undoubtedly, Rachel was a woman of prayer. Isn't that great to know? Uh, with all the difficulties, with, with all the dysfunction in the family, Rachel and Leah, I might say, are praying women. And so God remembered Rachel. God listened to Rachel. And as a result, in this case, God opened her womb. What a blessing. That was the strong desire of her heart. She, of course, loved Jacob. Jacob loved her, no children. Watching her sister have all these children. And now her womb is going to be open. It's an answer to prayer. Her patience has paid off. In verse 23, and she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. As I said, in biblical days, not having children was just a, a terrible spot on the family. And now that reproach was taken away. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. You know, as we think of this story, the story of Rachel with the backdrop of the promises of God, uh, so important. How does this relate to you and me? First of all, I don't know what situation you're in. Maybe you're in a dysfunctional family. I know from time to time growing up, our family seemed dysfunctional. My parents were married 60 plus years, uh, three children. I was the middle child. Uh, arguing was a part of life. Uh, yelling and screaming, uh, that, that certainly is a part, especially from a Jewish point of view. We're loud talkers. But we had a very stable life. Today, there's very few families that consist of one mother, one father, children married uh, to each other, nobody else involved, no extra families. It becomes a dysfunctional situation. But just as this situation is dysfunctional, God works his plan. Isn't that good to know? That no matter what your situation is, God is going to work his plan. We started by reading Genesis chapter 28. And the promise back in Genesis 28 was that I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. God was going to accomplish his purpose and accomplish it even in the midst of trickery by Uncle Laban, uh, even in the midst of uh, two sisters warring at each other. God was going to accomplish his purpose in the most unlikely fashion. And for Rachel, 
God was going to bless her with the desire of her heart, even in the midst of her situation. If you fast forward in the New Testament, I'd like to do that. I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 1, because I think we can take the story of Rachel, and certainly Jacob, Leah, Laban, all these uh, characters, real life historical people, uh, but if we take that story, we can find a New Testament uh, counterpart to that. And so turn with me to Philippians. It's taken me a while to get there. Bear with me. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. And let me start off in verse 3. That's not the main verse that I want to look at, but let, let me start off. Chapter 1 of Philippians, and it says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And here's the verse that I think corresponds to Genesis 28 and the promise given to Jacob to accomplish God's plan for Israel. And now it relates to us in the church. Here's what Paul said as he writes to the Philippians. Being confident of this very thing. So we can be confident in this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you. What does he mean by that? Well, if you have, tr if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that, that means that there was a time in your life when you realized you were a sinner that there is no amount of good deeds or any power on your own that you can uh, get to God and be forgiven of your sins, regardless of your background, regardless of your religious affiliation, no amount of good works, no amount of effort, nothing you could do. You realize that and you receive the free gift of God, the person of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and who you received him and trust him as your personal savior. So what Paul is saying, that he who began a good work in you, that is, you're saved. Here's the promise now. Will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, what happened back in Genesis 29 and 30 with Rachel, what happened with her is that God accomplished his purpose. He accomplished his pur purpose for Rachel by ultimately having Joseph and later on Benjamin, and then she would die giving birth. He accomplished his purpose through Leah, and though she was unloved by her husband, was able to conceive six sons, one of which would be the line that would lead to King David and lead to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... God accomplished his purpose with Jacob, as he promised at Bethel. And God accomplishes his purpose with us, as the Apostle Paul says. Once God has done a good work in us, oh, and I pray that he's done that for you, you can be sure that he'll be faithful to complete it. That is, God will see you through through any service you might have, through any dysfunction you might be living in, if you've trusted him as your savior, you can be sure 
that he'll see you to the end. That, for me, is an incredible truth and certainly something that we are grateful as we look at Rachel and see how God dealt with her. Well, it's a blessing to talk with you. Uh, trust you have a great rest of the Lord's day, and let's look to him in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, what, what a story. Lord, there's a lot of love in this, in these chapters. Uh, there's a lot of dysfunction in these chapters. There's a lot of tsurus in these chapters, but there's a lot of faith in these chapters. Uh, the, the sisters displayed faith as they named their children, gave glory to God. Jacob had confidence because of Bethel, and he too knew that you would uh, see the promises through. And Lord, as we look at that, we can be confident that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Oh Lord, that gives me great confidence, and I trust and pray that each one who's watching or listening to this message would also have that confidence in Jesus Christ for all that he's done. We're reminded in John that Jesus said, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. That's a great promise to remember because it's coming from a great God. And we want to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.